conversations and connections, community building, refocusing resources, re-education, healthy living, strong relationships, and safe spaces. The All Things Black Podcast is a weekly show dedicated to meaningful dialogue with a commitment to raise the voices of the voiceless and allow a platform for the expertise of qualified individuals that can help bridge the gaps in disenfranchised communities. I am your host and the producer of the show, Mr. Black Ovation. My mission is to help tell stories of black lives through the art of podcasting and bring awareness to many of our brilliant black men and women who are making real change in our communities. Welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to the show. You know, you know, Dr. Kimi, uh, um, I mean, how, how much how much of this is on us, though? Because my, my thought is, is that, again, I don't understand why we're still in the state of mind that we have to ask permission. I don't know why we're still trying to force these schools to do what they should already be doing in the first place. Um, I mean, I was I was 16 years old when I began to learn a lot of stuff. I wish I would have learned it a lot earlier, but um, mm-hmm. I was introduced, you know, to, you know, luckily I listened, which which is the first thing. So I sat in front of some elders and I sat back and I began to listen to to what they had to say. And then from there began my sojourn into, you know, learning a lot more about, you know, who I am and my people and stuff like that. And I would actually be 16 years old sitting in mm-hmm. front of the sitting in front of my, my radio, knowing I had to get up and go to school early in the morning. And I'm 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 listening to uh Night Talk uh out of based out of Chicago with uh Bob Law mm-hmm. as the um as the um the host of the show. And I'm sitting up for about maybe two hours or so, knowing I'm supposed to be asleep. So, so, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's, it almost seems as though we're still in the space. And I'm talking about black people specifically. We're still in the mm-hmm. space of allowing everybody else to do for us what we could be doing for ourselves. So how much of this is on us and that we are still believing that we should have the school. We got to force the schools to begin to teach this instead of just saying, you know what? If the information is that important, why don't I just go and begin to teach this to my own children myself? Well, it has to be both, though. So my brothers and I, my parents are Black educators. Old Black educators have been doing this work forever. So they were part of some of the initial race trainings in the 1960s and 1970s. So when you talk about race trainings now, teaching white people about white privilege, they like, we started doing that a long time ago. White people know they're just wasting their time. And that's what I tell people now as well. So my brothers and I were required to watch Tony Brown's journal. I love Tony Brown. Yes. People yeah. who are interested go to Tony Brown's journal's website, order his, his newsletter, can order all the previous episodes. We were required to watch BET News back when they actually did news. Right. Loved watching. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. So my parents knew that these predominantly black schools were not teaching the extent to what we should be taught. And my parents also wanted to change the school. So they didn't take us from the schools. They they kept us in the schools because it's hypocritical as well, in my opinion. And I think based on fact, honestly, to complain about schools and say, I'm going to take my kids out. Because I think that's hypocritical because now you're leaving it behind. And it's the same process every generation. And so the idea was for us to challenge as much as possible the schools 
And I mean, I used to, oh my goodness, I used to challenge these teachers quite often, responding to them. You know, black children in particular are expected to just listen a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you go into other education environments, there's more call and response, which we're a culture of call and response. But it's funny when we're supposed to now believe everything we're taught elsewhere. So that's, that's how it's kind of messing with our culture. So yes, we as communities need to teach. We as families need to teach. And not just teaching belief systems, but also facts. And I have to make that distinction as well, because unfortunately, some people are teaching some things that they are putting under the Pan-African pro-Black category that are not really. I'll just say it. A lot of it's very sexist, homophobic, transphobic, ableist stuff that's being presented as facts about our people, and they're not. But I want to highlight that as well. So if you're making those changes in your families and communities and Black groups, organizations to teach each other, you also have to remember that we still got to demand changes in the schools because the whole point is to pass down knowledge and to demand changes because you're literally, Black people tend to pay higher taxes. So you can't yell at us about paying taxes and voting and then we not changing the schools. Like school board meetings, go there and yell like these white people are yelling. Like, of course, they're going to arrest you before they arrest these white people. These white people can spit in people's faces during COVID and they're good. Right. But I just tell black people, it's like, that's where the multitasking comes in. And I'm saying this because we know how to multitask. We've had no choice. We come from centuries of having to teach each other when we were legally not allowed to know how to read. So we know how to do that. And yes, there were non-black people who helped throughout that, including indigenous people. But doing that, helping each other, does not require now letting the government, letting schools, letting medical and health facilities now do whatever they want to do. Because we can't escape their abuse. Got it. Got so it. we have to do both. Got it. Okay. Got it. So as, as an educator, K through 12, all of that, mm-hmm. how, how, how deplorable is the state of education now? And what do you think? that if the advent of critical race theory was introduced into the school system, how much, how much do you think that that would benefit the, you know, the current climate and also the children that are in, in, in those institutions? Deplorable. I mean, the year old white version of education that's forced on us, that's five centuries of deplorable. It's, 99% 99% of books for every discipline are written and published by white people. And you can find that in the author section, also in the work cited bibliography section, even for African-American studies. Well, I don't call myself African-American, but African-American is what they couldn't call it. Even indigenous studies, even Asian studies, Hispanic, Latin studies is mostly white people stuff. And when it's not white people stuff, it's still approved by white people to be published and to be used in the curriculum. So there's some schools that are saying they're making their curriculum more inclusive. And I tell them, whose guidelines are you using? And they will, they might find like a black and brown scholar, but that black and brown person is getting funded through white people. So I always explain to people that you have to look at the source of the materials. 
And some like of the materials that we changing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of the some of the materials, at least when I was still in school, was like they were so dated, like they were out of date, mm-hmm. you know, because most of it was print and it was out of date before they even presented the presented yeah. the, the material to us. So I'm assuming that still yeah. is occurring, even though we're living in a um, computer age or digital age and, and stuff like that. Yeah, oppression requires disguises for the same thing. Like when we talk about new technology, I tell people don't celebrate new technology without understanding how as it pertains to race, white people are experts in finding new methods of oppressing people. Mm, okay. So new te- every new technology is white people saying, yes, new method, right? So when you're talking about book publishing, when you talk about documentaries, I tell people when you're doing these curriculum developments, look at the demographics represented, not just on the token black and brown person smiling on the front saying, hey, I did this. Look at whose materials they're using. Whose version of the story are they using? Are they giving us the cliff notes? Like they add a new chapter, but we still get to read about white people's stuff for everything else. Or let's say we're talking about changing Black people's representation in history books. Guess what? Talking about Black knowledge that has existed for centuries on the Western Hemisphere does not mean now we got to downplay how white people stole us from particularly Western Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And still includes, stealing people includes if people's families sold them because you ain't consensually get sold. So I want people to stop using that response as well. So this is why I tell people you got to break it all down. And this is the process that's long. So I specialize not just in curriculum changes and looking at the demographics and represented in every level, but also I specialize in doing assessments, the same way you do assessments for accreditation. And a lot of times school people, teachers will say, well, that's not part of our accreditation process. Here's the thing about equity. If you really care about equity, you don't need to be an official requirement of you. Like, that's extremely insulting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. For you to tell minoritized people that you do not give any kind of darn about what they want unless it's a requirement of you. That's insulting. Yes. And there's no way around it, right? So I tell schools, what, the way I teach them to do annual assessments, it, I truly do not care what accreditation agency is asking of you because they're not gauging knowledge they're gauging the European white approved version of knowledge, right? Because if you were to come in there talking about indigenous science through arts and literatures, they'd be like, but that's not what you need to know to exist in the world. They'd say some kind of excuse, right? Right, right. So it's not really about true knowledge. It's about what they consider to be important knowledge. And this is K through 12. This is also happens in medical schools. This happens in terminal degree programs, doctoral programs. And this is all around the world, every white controlled part of the world. 99% of K through 12 colleges and universities, including terminal degrees, are teaching white people's version of stuff. And we're considered a side topic. We're considered right, a subtopic. Right, right. Same yep. thing happens when we're talking about health services, mental health training. When it's time to talk about black health, they're like, okay, let's talk about this. Like, wait a second, what were we talking about before then? And when they say, well, it had nothing to do with race, that's what sociologists call colorblind racism. And anyone interested in that, Dr. Dorado Bonilla Silva, black sociologist, was one of the first people to do a lot of writing and research about colorblind racism. He wrote the book Racism Without Racist. 
So you can find one of the older editions for free online. And I use this for classes as well as trainings. Colorblind racism is when people in general, but white people specifically, since white people created racial categories, will say, since they did not mention race, this, this has nothing to do with race. So therefore, we are expected to sit through classes, we're expected to sit through suicide prevention training, and assume that since race was not mentioned, that all of a sudden humans have become robots, void of race. Which means they're talking about white people. Yeah. Right? Right? So like when you're talking about stuff and race is not mentioned, it's supposed to be quote-unquote common knowledge, common sense, which usually means white people. And then when you want to be race specific, they're like, okay, now let's be race specific. What's going on with Hispanics? And you're like, but before we were talking about what though, you know? Right. (laughs) So that's the colorblind racism part. So critical race theory being added to it. First of all, it's not going to be added to it. I tell people, you don't have to add a specific theory, whether it's social learning theory, Marxist Conflict theory, critical race theory, without you, you don't have to add a specific theory in order to add equity based topics. So, if teachers want to discuss equity, they don't have to use specific theory. They can literally do that by changing the readings and changing the discussion. And I've had teachers tell me, well, we don't want to ostracize any student. I uh, said, what you're saying is you don't want to ostracize white students because black and brown students, we've been ostracized for centuries. Exactly. Okay. So you don't want to ostracize white students and outrage their white parents, white taxpayers, and white voters. So that's another example of colorblind racism where teachers and school officials pretend that they're not trying to alienate anyone when we know that the alienation focus is as it pertains to race, white people. So, so Dr. Kimia, so with all that being said, mm-hmm. does it literally boil down to, because I can't see a lot of these institutions making any kind of accommodations to introduce this information that's been uh, circulating for centuries now. I, I, I don't see a lot of institutions making that kind of accommodation. So does it literally boil down to then, uh, again, uh, something that we kind of talked about earlier in the conversation, number one, you know, um, black parents taking control of that information and then providing that to their children before they go out into the world and these different um, institutions? Or does it say that we, at this point now, because we've actually tried every avenue to become a part of this social equality or what have you, does it boil down now to us literally separating ourselves to make sure that we get this information to our children and further generations beyond us? Because like I said, we've, we've kind of exhausted all of these different things that we've been trying to accomplish to be, you know, to, to, you know, to be a part of this society, but has been met with every, um, you know, quote unquote, method of, um, you know, omission, so to speak, for not, for us not to become a part of this uh, uh, society, you know, fully, right? So does it then boil down to us just saying, you know what, scrap it. I'm, I'm done with trying to, you know, get people to understand what is it, what it is that we're trying to bring to the table and just wash our hands of the whole situation and then just say, we need to do something for ourselves. It's important. It's impossible for us to wash our hands of the whole situation. That's, that's literally impossible. 
So what I tell black people to do is always is, again, multitask. You're learning in the house. You're learning in our communities. And learning means, and I'm going to say this loud and clear, black folk, if you are staunchly into particular belief systems, including certain religious beliefs that you're stuck with, you know it ain't necessarily fact-based, but you're like, I believe it. You can't change it. Recognize if you teach that to children, you teaching them that facts can be recreated and they're doing something similar to what white people always do. So that's hypocritical in that sense because you're teaching them something that's not really factual. And sometimes you're teaching them something that's actually quite harmful to yourself, to the children, and to other people. So I'm going to go ahead and say that. When we talk about the importance of teaching ourselves and each other, we have to also challenge ourselves. So as a professor, when my Black students come into the classroom saying things that are not factual, I challenge them. One thing they'll oftentimes say, and this is Black students aging from 18 to 75 years old, they'll say, well, my grandma said, and I say, I'm going to have to tell you, your grandma might be cool, but that don't mean that she right, and that don't mean I'm going to let you just spew whatever she said up in my classroom. Yeah. That's the difference between what you're told and fact. And I want black people to understand we cannot critique this horrible curriculum and horrible school systems for centuries while reiterating stuff that's not proven to be fact in our communities either. So we just got to challenge it as well. So when challenging that, you're also teaching black children and black people in general how to know how to have healthy and also challenging discussions which will include responding to teachers who are saying things that are either not factual beyond, of course, you're not dis- I always tell people the difference between disagreeing and something not being fact. Like there's some facts out there that you disagree with, but they still fact, right? So teach our people how to have a healthy discussion, not the way they do it on Twitter or whatever, but like a real face-to-face discussion or a clubhouse. where we're like, yeah. Whereas like, I've learned some information. I agree with part of it. Here's what I disagree with. Let's have a conversation. It's important for teachers, including college faculty, to have those interactions where they're around Black people who are well-read. Because again, we come, there is many, we have thousands of years of Black folks writing and talking, right? Doing this work. Our books have been stolen, all that stuff. But we have Black knowledge out there. So teach Black people how to have these conversations, including in the classroom. And for me, I always tell people when I give exams, I do a lot of times written exams where people can actually answer in writing instead of always multiple choice. And you might write something that I'm like, huh, okay, you know, you, you're providing some feedback here, which is very important because that's real learning. Learning is not memorization and repetition, right? Right, right. And I'm saying that to medical students and medical doctors as well. So these are all part of the process. And so a group of sisters and I are actually going to be doing some community programs. We're going to start off virtually where we're going to talk about Black knowledge and Black education and what it means to teach ourselves and each other while also challenging teachers. So I don't believe in Black people pretending there's a such thing as disappearing. Right. Like we, we're we not going to be disappearing like. We're, we're still in the schools, but I do believe in boycotting schools. So okay. I'm, I'm explaining that real quick. OK, it's it's one thing to talk about. You don't like a school. It's one thing to say your school is is 
sending black children to the principal's office. SROs keep showing up. But if you're still going to show up on Friday regardless, why should schools change? It's just like when we talk about your employer. You're complaining, but your butt's still there on Monday. Straighten early at night, 8 a.m., you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So this is also where Black people have to understand that these protests, our people have protested in the Western Hemisphere for centuries. That's correct. Including during transatlantic slavery. We protested when these white people planked us on these daggone slave ships. We didn't understand the language being spoken to us, but we knew that something was happening that we was like, oh, no, we're not. You know, we got to challenge that falsehood that we was a bunch of compliant, complacent people yes. chained up. Yes. Cool. Like, okay. Yes. I mean, hundreds of thousands of us had to be compliant because we know what's happening. But a lot of us did have protests and outrage. We come from centuries of that. So we need to understand what that means for Black people's everyday lives, not when there is an approved uprising because white liberals say so, not when there's just yelling at school boards, it's literally, if these schools are not doing what you need them to do, if these politicians are not doing what you, you need them to do, you need to do more than show up at the ballot to vote. You need to be like, I ain't showing up, period. Like, my child ain't coming back to the school anymore. Mm, okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. That, exactly. I, I agree with you there. So um, we're up on an hour now. Uh, wow. I didn't realize that it was going that, going that quick, to be totally honest. Uh, but yeah. a couple of things here. Um, so what kind of resources would you say would be that you could readily make available to the listening audience that they could learn, of, of course, more about yourself besides your website? Uh, and what kind of material would be available, would be made available that you can mention? Uh, here that people can begin to learn about some of this stuff. And, um, oh, the thought just slipped my mind, <laughs> but, Are you but good? yeah, but that, but so, so, so that would be one thing. And then while you're answering that, I'm going to try to see if I can remember the, the second thing I was thinking about. You'll remember it when you stop thinking about it. So as for resources and materials, this is where I throw it back at these grown folks because it's very common for humans to say, where can I learn more? Knowing good and well, you're usually not going to take that next step to learn more. And if you do, it's just now a new thing on your reading list without actually acting towards change, right? We know the routine. You're going to use your busy as an excuse. Now COVID's going to be the excuse. Any excuse folks can find. I'm not going to add to your reading list because I can't stand book clubs. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, what I want all the grown folk listening to this to do is to sit down by themselves and ask themselves, what do they already know that they're not utilizing? Write it down. So don't contact me saying, what should I read? You've read probably quite a bit. That's how they found this knowledgeable brother here who hosts the podcast. So write down, literally write down, what do I already know? Who presented me with this information? Who wrote this information? Who published this information? How do I feel about getting this information to more people in my communities, in my family, in school curriculum? And if you're scared, write down why you're scared. Mm. You're afraid to lose friends. You're afraid to lose your job. All the typical reasons that especially Black people have for centuries 
to sometimes black people really want changes, but they're like, you know what, this for somebody else to do. And some black people, unfortunately, don't want changes because they're like, we've been figuring it out this long. Why are you going to float the boat? Right? right. So instead of adding to black people's reading list, I really want black people to sit back and marinate because I think that a lot of times reading lists are disguised for reflection and mental health. Black folk are accustomed to running around, chasing after stuff like a puppy. Like, mm. ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, mm. look at that. Mm. Okay. Instead of sitting down and saying, you know what, I don't have much time just to think to myself because everybody else keep talking. Got think it. to yourself. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, the other thing that I was going to ask you was in this conversation, because I'm always open to feedback, but in this conversation, what, and this is final thoughts, actually, um, what mm-hmm. is it that we could have discussed that is on your important list that we may have missed during this conversation? Yeah, so what could be discussed is exactly what needs to be in the curriculum, what's already in the curriculum, and what needs to be in the curriculum. Now, the difficulty about that is I can't give away too much free labor. People actually have to hire me to get a whole lot of help with all of this, but this is also an assignment for the Black people who are listening to this. Find out what's in the curriculum of the school district where they are located. A lot of Black folk will realize they don't know. Why? Because they've just been told to go with the flow, right? Right. Go with the flow, graduate, life goes on. So find out what's in the school curriculum. The school board's not going to really give you information, okay? (laughs) And they'll even say things like, it's up to the teacher, which that's not completely true. (laughs) Although... Although I'm close with some teachers who really are activist scholars, they literally are teaching things in the classroom that outrages, literally outrages people because they were told that these are things that Black people should keep behind the scenes and not learn, right? So there are some really wonderful teachers doing that, but unfortunately, there are a tiny percentage of teachers and literally every week they have to fight to keep their jobs. So this is where... I really just encourage our people to to do that reflection. Got it. And to think about that. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So this is another episode of the All Things Black podcast. And if anything you've gotten out of this conversation, one of the key things I've gotten out of it is make sure that you are present. Make sure that you um, learn and get out of your complacency. Uh, you know, uh, black people, for some reason, we have been kind of notorious for a level of complacency when it comes to our literal, you know, freedom. We do protest, we do things like that, but um, there seems to be still, to a degree, uh, a lot of us just still want to continuously, continuously go along with the flow. So we're, we're we're saying come out of that right now, which is one of the reasons why I opened up this podcast and made a space available for, you know, people such as yourself to come on this platform and you know, give up your, yourself and your expertise and to have these kind of conversations. So I don't, I don't like the complacency piece of it, but, um, Hey, um, I want to thank you again for coming on the thank platform. You. And, uh, you are, like I said before, this is an open door for you. Um, anytime you want to come on the platform, uh, we'll make it happen. And, uh, yeah, always, uh, Dr. Kimia, it's, it's been a pleasure once again. And I hope the listening audience really pays attention to what you had to, uh, you know, say on this program and, uh, 
again, for the listening audience, make sure that you like, you comment, you share, you rate on Apple Podcasts, you leave a voice message on Anchor, and by all means, donate, you know. Uh, but yeah, this has been another episode, and I want to thank you guys again. God bless. Thank you again, Dr. Kimia. Thanks.